little over halfway through the year, halfway through our theme this year of living by the book. We believe the book, the Bible, is God's book. It's uh, divinely inspired, it's of a divine guidance for our life, so we want to live by that book. Uh, this series that we're working on right now is Kingdom Living by the Book. We're learning a little bit about the kingdom, hopefully. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount where the king explained the kingdom. And we started in Matthew 6.33 a number of weeks ago. Jesus kind of laid down this basic part of the sermon. We're supposed to seek first the kingdom. That's what we do in this life if we're members of the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom. And we seek his righteousness. And then he explained, and we've been looking at a number of pieces of it, how kingdom righteousness, kingdom living, uh, is different from worldly living, and it's different from what most people think of as religious living. Kingdom living is different. Uh, We heard him explain the kingdom. We heard him explain his righteousness compared to the the righteousness of the Pharisees. Uh, All of it comes down to... Our righteousness, our kingdom living comes from the inside. Uh, The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Uh, We do things not to impress men, but to please God. We have a, there's a circle of forgiveness where we forgive because we've been forgiven. We tell the truth. We are honest because that's what citizens of the kingdom do. Uh, Today we're going to talk about where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? You just had the little part read to you where Jesus talks about treasure. I want to remind you like I do every week, this is the king explaining things now. Uh, This is not just some good advice from men. This is the king explaining how things are in the kingdom, how things are different. And today he explains that even economics are different. Even the way you think about uh, economy and, and money and everything, it's different in the kingdom. Our verse that I picked for today is for Matthew 6, 21. Very short little verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I know the passage had more in it, and we'll get to that and try to learn what some of that means. But I picked this because I understand how important this is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What's the whole theme of what we've been talking about for all these weeks? What's the heart of the matter? It's a matter of the heart. And so Jesus gets to this part, and he said, now about your heart, it's going to be where your treasure is. So you better think about your treasure. And he talks about that in these few verses, and we're going to see if we can learn a bit about it. Treasure. Treasures intrigue us. Uh, We like stories in the news where somebody finds uh, a buried treasure or a legend about a buried treasure or uh, some gold miner strikes it or somebody goes to a garage sale and buys an old painting for $5 and when they take it apart, there's a Rembrandt behind it. Oh, we love that kind of stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, There was one true treasure story in the news lately. Uh, How would you like to have this pile of Dirty old bars of metal. Doesn't look too intriguing, does it? But if you've read the story or paid attention to it in the news, uh, some treasure hunters went looking for this. The Odyssey Company hunts for treasures. They've been looking for it for 10 years. 
1941, a British ship, uh, the SS Garsopa, left India with a load of silver to help Britain finance the war. Uh, took off, but they were sunk somewhere by a Nazi U-boat. Well, the Odyssey Company started researching and trying to find where that boat went down, and like I said, they searched for it for 10 years. Now, they made a deal with the British government that if we find it, we get to keep 80%, you get to get 20% of it since it belonged to you, but you don't have it right now, so that's a good deal for you. So they made that deal, and they went looking for it. Well, they found it the other day off the coast of Ireland, three miles deep. Found 110 tons of silver. That's a big treasure. That's a big treasure. Silver's down a little bit right now, but that's still a big treasure. 110 tons of silver. Don't you like treasure stories like that? Don't you wish you were part of the Odyssey Company? Yeah, so that intrigues us. We like that stuff. Uh, and that's why Jesus' story about treasures is such a problem. That's why this little passage that we read is such a problem for, I started to say most of us, but really for all of us. Your treasure and your heart are in the same place. We need to read that again and make sure we get it. Let's read it in pieces and see what Jesus said. The first little part of the passage, Matthew chapter 6, he says there are two kinds of treasures. Two kinds of treasures, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says there's earthly treasure and there's heavenly treasure. Uh, That's the two kinds of treasures that we can think about in this world. Earthly treasures, we know what those are. Uh, It's 110 tons of silver, it's money, it's material things. It's anything that, that a thief can steal that moth or rust can destroy, or a tornado, or a flood. It's anything that the government can tax. It's anything that will wear out over time. Those are earthly treasures. And Jesus said, don't store those up. Heavenly treasures, however, are supposed to be stored up. Now, what are heavenly treasures? Some people, you may have got this interpretation. Some people think, well, when you do a good work, you're putting a payment down on that mansion up there. You know, the more good works you do, the bigger your mansion is going to be. And all that. No, no, not right. Not right. Heavenly treasures, let me say it this way, they relate to things that God is interested in. They relate to things that God is doing. On this earth. What's God interested in? There's only one answer. Only one thing God's interested in is people. People's hearts. That's what he's interested in. A material treasure won't be here forever. You you won't have it forever at least. And a material treasure can't love you back. 
You got to leave it all here when you go. Heavenly treasure. You treasure a spouse. You treasure a friend. You treasure uh, somebody. That's a good investment, Jesus says. You invest your time and interest and money and everything in people. That's a good investment. People are eternal spiritual beings. They're the only things going from this world to heaven. Are people, people's souls. Uh, plus you get a benefit here. People can return love. People can bless this world if you invest in them and help them do so. Now, those are the two kinds of treasure. Now, I admit, we all love some of both, probably. You don't have to take a vow of poverty to be in the kingdom. But Jesus is saying, here's something about the kingdom you need to know. Between earthly treasures and heavenly treasures, you've got to choose. You've got to decide where your heart is, where your heart's going to be. It's going to be with one or the other. Okay? Now, secondly, in this little passage, he says there are two kinds of eyes. Not just two kinds of treasures, but there's two kinds of eyes. Verse 22-23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I don't know about you, but until I had to preach this sermon, when I got to that part, I read it real fast and just got through it because I had no idea what that had to do with the first part and the last part. I know what two treasures are. I know what two masters are. But what's this I thing? This is kind of a strange little thing. I thought maybe a scribe got it in the wrong place or something. But so I researched it more and I think I finally get it. Uh, you may have other translations that say if your eye is good or evil, uh, I mean, bad or unhealthy or evil or something like that. Uh, that's getting a little closer to what he's talking about. Uh, an, an idiom is a cultural saying that means something else. It's something that we understand in a culture. And when we say it, we don't mean what we say. We mean something figuratively. Anybody ever tell you that Fred kicked the bucket? Okay. Do you think Fred physically found a bucket and kicked it? No, it means something else to you. You know, oh, poor old Fred, he died. You ever hear anybody say, I, I just laid all my cards on the table? You understand something different. You don't think they were playing cards, do you? You understand something different from that. Now, in Jesus' day, there was an idiom that said if you had a bad eye or an evil eye, that you were a stingy, covetous, jealous type of person. And if you had a good eye, if you had a healthy eye, you were generous and giving. So when you understand that, now, even if that wasn't the case, but we know the point. If you've got a good eye, it lets light in. Things are going to be better. Well, that's what he was saying, but it relates to money here. 
If you have an evil eye, a bad eye, an unhealthy eye, where you look at everything as, I, I want that, I'm envious, I'm stingy, i got to hold on to this, I'm covetous, you're not going to be a real happy person. But if you've got a good eye, if you're generous and giving, things are going to be better in your life. Now today we'd use a different idiom. We wouldn't talk about eyes. Jesus might say today, if you're tight-fisted, your life's going to be kind of dark. But if you're the kind of person who would give somebody the shirt off your back, you're going to have a good life. You're going to have a brighter life. So I think that's what this little piece in here means. If we're clinging and focusing on material things, our self, our soul is going to be dark. Whereas if we're generous with our money and our material possessions, it's going to brighten your life up. Now you look around and check in civilization, that's the way it is. That's the way people are. So there's two kinds of eyes. Third, Jesus says there are two kinds of masters. Just one verse for this, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or your translation might say God and mammon. Some people say, well, mammon was an evil God, so he's comparing money to that. No, wasn't anything evil about it. Mammon just meant money. It meant wealth. What a negative term. In fact, it was kind of positive. People thought of wealth as a blessing from God. God blesses us with mammon. And so can you imagine how shocked they were when Jesus said this? Jesus said mammon is a rival to God. Well, I thought money was a good thing. I thought blessings came from God. And you're telling me it's a rival God? That's what Jesus says. It's another master. And when you think about it, that's true. Money, material possessions, earthly treasures, it pretends to give us good things, doesn't it? It pretends to give us happiness and security and comfort and peace. And Jesus says you've got to choose. You've got to choose. You want earthly treasures? You want heavenly treasures? You want mammon as your God? You want God as your God? Now think about it. This material thing, earthly treasure thing, that's one of the big three. Remember, Satan's only got three tricks. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Lust of the eyes is wanting things. Wanting things. Wanting more things. That's one of the big three. That's what Satan used on Jesus. Jesus tempted him with the flesh. Aren't you hungry? Then he took him up and he said, look at this. You, you can have everything. Everything in the world. All the things out there. You can have them. That was one of the big three temptations. So maybe it doesn't, not quite so shocking when Jesus says, mammon, money, well, is a rival master. you got to choose. You, you can't serve them both. Now, that's what the passage says. There's two kinds of treasures, two kinds of eyes, and two kinds of masters. And if we really think about it, it's obvious that we're talking about two completely different worlds here, two different economies. 
Two completely different ways of thinking about this topic. So let's analyze them real quick and see if we can learn something. Let's talk about world economics first. The one principle of world economics is things make us happy. Okay? If you operate in the world, operate by mammon as your God, that's the first principle. Is things make us happy. So let's get to things. Okay? Now, when I said we all do a little bit of this, everybody sitting here can think of some time when there was something that you just had to have. Okay? Now, advertising stirs it up. You watch advertising, it tells you. All you need is this. You know, if your life is not quite perfect, all you need is this. If you have this, car or house or kind of beer or whatever, your life's going to be perfect. That's the way advertising operates. Things make us happy. And most of you are sitting there, if you're really thinking, you're thinking about that thing that you had to have that's either in the attic now or gone to a garage sale. Somehow you're getting by without it. At one point, you couldn't have happiness without that thing. And now it's not that big a deal. Okay, so things make us happy. That's a world economics principle. Another principle of world economics is the more the better. If things make you happy, the more things you got, obviously the happier you'll be. So get more things. TV, old TV used to have a show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Now, it's a lot bigger than that. Did you know there's a channel? I just stumbled on this the other day. There's a channel called Wealth TV. It's a wealth channel. There really is. And that's all they show is shows about people with lots of things. They got shows about not just million-dollar houses. They got shows about million-dollar rooms. Yeah, people that have a room in their house that they spend a million dollars on. And there's shows on there about houses and cars and yachts and, and all that. That's all it's about is wealth. Yeah, I mean, that's the world thinks. Little things make us happy. The more things we got, the better. Now, if you pay attention to the news and read a little bit about the rich and famous, they don't always seem so happy, do they? They seem to have a few problems in life a lot of times. Okay, but that's the basics of world economics. If I had to sum it up, that's about the best I could do. Things are good, and the more you got, the better. So if that's the basics of world economics, then what do you got to do? Well, you got to get them. However, you, you got to work hard. You got to work 80 hours a week and ignore the family. That's okay because things make you happy. That's the world economics. Now, the basic kingdom principle is completely different. The basic kingdom principle is God will provide. And just saying it quick like that, it doesn't really hit you how backward that is to world economics. In fact, that's what Jesus went to next. After he told us about two treasures and two highs and two masters... He said, now, 
so since that's true, therefore, I tell you, he says in verse 25, don't worry about where you're going to get the basics of life. God will provide. Okay, you tell somebody in the world that, they think you're crazy. Boss offers you a big raise, a big promotion, a big move, and you say, no, my family's more important. I, God will provide. I think you're nuts. But that's the difference between the two economies. The basic principle, God will provide. You read 25 to 34. We're not going to take time to read it. But that's what he says is you don't worry about what you got to eat and what you got to wear and all that. God will take care of you. You just seek the kingdom and he'll take care of you. You seek first the kingdom and he'll take care of you. Well, that's a good principle. God's going to provide, okay? So he just drops it from heaven, I guess. You know, like manna. Go out on the front yard and gather it up every morning. Fill your billfold and go on about your business. No, he doesn't do it that way. Second principle, God provides, but he moves money through people. you got to understand this. This is how he works. This is how he's chosen to work. He moves money through people. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 proves it. Jesus said in verse 8 of chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, God is able to make all grace abound to you. What do you mean grace? Well, he's talking about money here, because he's going to tell us in a minute. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And he's talking about giving to mission work here. He says, God's able... In all situations, at all times, everything, to make sure you have enough to do good stuff, heavenly work. That means he's moving money through people. Third principle, put this all together. Sometimes God uses our money. I know that sounds funny, but... Let's say it that way. When God uses our money, he always replaces it. Now you may think, hold on, God doesn't use our money. I, I get to choose whether I use money for God or not. Okay, you can think that way if you want. I like it this way. When God uses our money, when we spend it on something we want, that earthly treasure stuff, that one thing that's going to make us happy forever, when we take our money and use it for that, there's no guarantee he's going to replace it. Okay? But when, we, when he uses it, or when it's going to heavenly business, he promised he would replace it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. You don't need to know any more than that, but he amplifies it. A good measure... Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's what he's saying here. When he uses our money for something, he replaces it. Actually, he doesn't just replace it. He heaps it together and presses it down and shakes it together and pours it in your lap. So you can always 
be able to do more good. And this isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. This is the way it is in the kingdom. This is a whole different economics than worldly economics. God provides. He moves money through people. And when it goes to the right thing, when it goes to heavenly treasures, he always replaces it. You understand what that means? We put 75 people on the bus this morning. I don't know how many, but I know not all 75 of them could afford to pay for this week in Colorado. I know some of them didn't have the money. And I know some of them got the money from somebody here that God moved some money through. And they gave it as a scholarship. They gave it to Toby and they said, here, spend this on somebody that needs to go to camp but can't afford it. Now, I don't know who did that or how many of you are, but if I ask you in a month or a year or whatever, if you ever missed that money, I know what you'd tell me. But no, I never missed it. God replaced it. God took care of it. He provided. That's kingdom economics. Uh, Most of you just put something in the plate that went by, and those of you that still give old-fashioned, like with a check, probably wrote down there in the memo, I want some of this to go to Know Your Bible, I want some of it to go to missions, or whatever, or you've done that online, and sent it to that account, and all that. I don't know if you ever sit down and think this way. Sometimes when I'm writing that memo in there, I think, you know, if I spent this every week on a car, or this, or that... I could have this thing. You ever add that up? What you could have if you did that? But guess what? (laughs) If you're sending it to a heavenly thing, God's going to replace it. You're not going to miss it. Fourth and fifth principle of world kingdom economics. Earthly treasures can be stored. Can you read that? Yeah, red. It doesn't show up on my monitor. I thought, that doesn't say anything. Uh, (laughs) Earthly treasures cannot be stored. Heavenly treasures can be stored. That basic kingdom principle. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. Earthly treasures. What do you mean you can't store them? Yeah, you can put them in a bank. You can do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can try to store them up. But you start thinking of all the things that can take them away. There's a whole lot of ways to lose them. And even if you keep them to the very end, ultimately, I guarantee you, you can't take them with you. So you can't store. You can store them up for a little while. They're subject to risk, but maybe you'll keep them till the end, but that's somebody else is going to get them then. So you can't really store them up in the picture of life that Jesus has in mind here. But heavenly treasures can be stored. How do you store heavenly treasures? What, what's going to happen when you get there? Are you going to have an account book? I don't think so. But I think as we meet people, as we see who's there, we're going to start telling ourselves that was a good investment. 
Whew, am I glad I invested in that. I don't know if I'll get to arrange anything up there or not. You know, if I do, I'm going to have him have a KYB mixer one night. Uh, know your Bible mixer. Okay, It'll be on the bulletin board or whatever they got up there. I think they got a whiteboard right by the cafeteria. Anyhow, somehow we'll announce that at such and such a time, and I don't know how they keep time either, but when we get there, on this date, time, whatever, we're going to have a Know Your Bible mixture, and everybody that's there because of Know Your Bible, and everybody that invested heavenly treasures in that, it's all going to meet in one place over by the Eastern Gate. That's going to be something. That will be a happening now. I think that day, this verse might make some sense. Huh. I invested in that. And you're here from someplace I never even heard of because I invested in this treasure. I think that's what this means. Now, Okay, those are the principles. If we're citizens of the kingdom, we got to apply this. I mean, nice theory and good inspirational talks Jesus gave here, but it means something. This is for citizens of the kingdom. We got to apply it. Now, and I'm tempted here to, well, I will confess that I could have preached hours on this. Because I'm tempted to help you really understand it and figure it out. and Understand that this is too much earthly treasure. This is just right. This is that way and all that. I want to help you on this. And then I keep reminding myself that Jesus spent 11 words on it. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And he expected us to figure it out. He expected us to take this little bitty passage and understand that in the kingdom, things are different. Don't store up earthly treasures. Store up heavenly treasures. If that's the kind of instruction he gives and he expects we citizens of the kingdom to figure it out, any little tips I give you are just kind of superfluous. But let me give you just a couple anyway and then we'll quit. One question we can ask ourselves if you want to try to help yourself on this. What do I spend money on? How basic a question is this? I don't know how you keep your budget or how you keep track of what you spend on or whether you ever look at it at all. But just look at your checkbook stubs. Look at your income tag. Look at something and see what you spend money on. That may give you a clue about where your treasure is being stored. Now, bear in mind, this is where your heart is. If your treasure's there, that's where your heart is. So ask yourself, what do I really spend money on? Now, I'm tempted. I'd like to be like a Pharisee and give you a list. You know, if you spend money on this, man, you're wasting money. You are, you are really, that's way out of line. But I fear maybe you could make a list for me. <laughs> yeah, and that's the way this is. It's not about lists. It's a matter of the heart. So ask yourself, where am I spending money? Second, ask yourself, do I buy what I need or what I want? And think about that the next time you go to the store. What am I buying today? 
Do you realize there are whole stores that have absolutely nothing in them anybody needs? I think there's whole malls like that. Just ask yourself. This is good counsel. This isn't just a funny thing to ask yourself. This is good. Cindy and I, I don't know how many years ago we started doing this. But you walk through any place. You're on vacation. You walk through a gift shop or somewhere. And you always see something. You know, boy, this would be cool. This would look good over on that wall in the living room. Well, our practice now is instead of buying it, we ask the other one. If she finds it, she shows me this. What do you think about this? I say, well, is it a want or a need? (laughs) Same thing my way. You know, you don't need hardly anything. Well, this might help you decide where you put in your treasures. Do I buy what I need or what I want? We want a lot of things. And the worldly economy teaches us to want more. So ask yourself this one. Do I buy what I need or what I want? Third question, ask yourself, am I content? Am I content or not? First Timothy chapter 6 explains it really well. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul tells Timothy, if I got something to eat and some clothes, I'll be content. Now, we obviously want more than that, don't we? We don't need much more than that, but we want more than that. Well, actually, we don't. I I know you're all content because I just heard you this morning. Every one of you said, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below. Now, everybody that lives in a little cottage, hold your hand up. (laughs) Compared to the world, not a one of us live in a cottage. We live in mansions. I'm not saying you can't live in a mansion. The question is, are you content or not? Part of being investing in heavenly treasures is being content. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, Jesus said. Let me just close with two real short illustrations and we'll figure it out on our own then. Suppose you heard on a knock on the door. You open the door and the guy says, I'm a, an appraiser. I'm here to appraise things. Well, okay, come on in. Uh, what, what do you want to see? All my possessions, my bank book? What, what do you want? No, I'm, I'm here to appraise your treasures. Show me your treasures. What would you show him? Not your property. Maybe that's your treasures. Not your possessions. Maybe that's your treasures. But he really wants to see your treasures. I think if Cindy answered the door, I think I know some of the things she'd show him. 
I think she'd grab the guest book first because it's right there by the door. She'd grab the guest book and say, this is one of our treasures. We've had people signing this that come to our house, every adult, every child that comes to the house. We've had them signing it for probably 40 years. And you go through here. And look, here's grandkids' signatures as they change. And here's old friends. And here's some that have passed on. And here's some that were missionaries that stopped here. And here's some that were friends of our kids. And here's some that were engagement parties and birthday parties and funeral gatherings. Here's a dinner where we had Pete and Doris Titus and Oren and Delphine Smith the same night for dinner and listen to them tell old stories. There's treasures in this book. It's one of our treasures. There's a picture over on the wall. The middle thing is a cross stitch and it says 3 John 1 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And around it are pictures of kids and grandkids. Their first Sunday school or their first Bible or their first appointment as a deacon or whatever. There's treasures there. There's things around, there are possessions. But if a possession appraiser looked at them, he'd say, that's not worth a quarter. But then he'd say, oh yeah, it is. This belonged to dad, this belonged to great grams, this belonged to her or him or them. Treasures here. There's an old rock out in the backyard. I showed you a picture of it the other day. It says 1939 on it. It came from the first Northside building. There's lots of treasures stored up here. I'd show you pictures. I'd walk through the house with you and say, there's a treasure. There's a picture of Dad and both boys, both of my boys, on a, a hunt we were on. There's a picture of Brandon and me with a bunch of pheasants laid in front of us. There's Ryan's first deer, his first pheasant, his first crow. I got a picture of that. (laughs) And it's not that the deer was so whippy. That's not why it's a treasure. It's because I was there to take the picture. That's a heavenly treasure. Now, I'll tell you that, I won't tell you where it is, but somewhere in the house I've got a safe. Not a very big safe, because I don't have a lot to put in it, but i got a safe with some pretty valuable stuff in it. Cindy would never show you that as a treasure. It would never enter her head. It's not a treasure. It's an old story of a sailor who was shipwrecked in the South Pacific. When he woke up from the shipwreck, he was on the shoulders of some natives. They were carrying him toward this old, rude, makeshift throne. And they told him, you're king of the island now. He said, king of the island? He said, yeah, you're king of the island for a year. Anything you want. Your wish is our command. He said, let's go back to that for a year deal. What's that? He says, oh, we only have a king for a year. We don't like competition between kings, so we appoint you king for a year. He said, okay. A few days later, he got to asking some people that he decided he could trust. He said, where are the other kings? I said, oh, we, we take them over to a, another island, a different island, a deserted island, and we put them over there so we don't ever have problems with old kings. 
And he said, well, what happens to them? Well, there's never anything on the island, so they starve to death. He said, no. Okay. So he worked a little while and got to have more connections, found out what his power was. And he asked somebody some days, one day, he said, which one's going to be my island? And they said, oh, that one, right over there, past that one, that's the next one we're going to use. And he said, okay. And he put his plan into place, his strategy. He had the carpenters build some extra boats. And he had the farmers start transplanting fruit trees and crops over to that new island. He got the carpenters to go over there and build some shelter. He built some buildings to store up some possessions like clothing and other provisions that he had need. For that whole year as king, he didn't have any big parties. Didn't have any big feasts. Didn't live a lavish lifestyle. But at the end of the year, he had a well-equipped island where he could live forever. Where are your heart investments going? Where's your heart is the way Jesus put it. Are you, are you putting your heart into your year here? That's about all you got is a year when you look at it in the big picture. Or are you putting it on an island where you're going to live forever? I hope today's discussion of treasures has made you think. I hope it makes you challenge what that false God is telling us all the time. The false God is shouting at us all the time. Put your treasures here. Next time we'll talk about sex and the disciple. I figured the teens are going to be tired coming back from camp. We'll see if we can keep their attention. (laughs) But Jesus talked about it, so we're going to talk about it. The king has explained the kingdom to us. He's told us it's a different world. We've seen that so many different ways. It's a different world. If you're not in the kingdom, you can learn a lot from this study. If you listen to what Jesus says, you can tell a lot about it. Because you see, sometimes we, I think we give people the impression that Christianity is a matter of being perfect. You want to be a Christian, well, you've got to get your life straightened out. You've got to do this right and that right. You've got to do good all the time to all people. You can't ever do anything wrong. There's rules and regulations and all. Jesus says, no, that's not what it's about. In all of our lessons on this, Jesus has been telling us the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. It's about what you focus on. It's about what's important in your life. And he's telling us that children of the king look at things differently. We forgive differently. We think about money differently. We tell the truth differently. Because we understand the difference between these two worlds. If you'd like to know more about that, if you're here maybe for the first time, well, we'd love to talk with you about it. About what the king says the kingdom is like. Now, there may be somebody here that's ready to commit their heart. That they've understood that Jesus wants their heart and he wants it focused on him and his kingdom and his kind of righteousness. If you're ready to commit your heart to the kingdom, we'd love to help you. If you have any kind of public need, let's come. Stand and sing, please. <laughs>